if you have your bulletin, you can turn over uh, to page three. You'll find our primary scripture of the morning, as well as a number of uh, other verses that we're going to uh, draw in from God's Word. We've been continuing to study Ephesians chapter 4, Paul instructing uh, believers in what the Christian life looks like, uh, still uh, centering on Jesus and what he's done, uh, the spirit of Jesus enabling us to more and more put off the ways of unrighteousness and put on the ways uh, of uprightness uh, by the strength of Christ. And he's been talking about what that looks like in different areas. He talked about anger and lies and theft. And and this morning, uh, we're going to look at verse 29, the subject of our speech, our words. And we'll we'll read first what God uh, God declares uh, and then uh, and then entrust it to the Lord in prayer. So first, let's Let's read our our text this morning, Ephesians 4, verse 29. Here is God's word. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. let's, Let's pray. Lord, use your word. We pray that you would use it to, to rescue, use it to strengthen, use it to, use it to equip your people, and show us the glory of your salvation, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Kids, I know it's a little hot, but I have a question for you. Do you know what this is? Can you see it? Do you know what that is? Any idea what that is? I'll give you a clue. When I was your age, I didn't have any idea either. I've I've since found out that it's a type of drill bit. Makes really nice round holes and things. But when I was your age, kids, I had no idea. So one day, I was down in my dad's workbench, just kind of messing around, and I saw this. Nice, pointy end, I thought. That's got to be good for stabbing things. And so I grabbed some wood and just kind of went to town, destroyed the wood, of course. But, you know, made lots of nice holes and dings and dents. And and then I stabbed my thumb. That hurt a lot. It bled a lot. Didn't use it, this again for almost 40 years. That was the next time I used one of these. About 40 years after uh, my first uh, adventure with it, we had just bought this building and we were getting it ready, fixing it up, and we needed to put in the new sound system. And that was the project I was I was leading up and some other guys from the church were helping us out. We had to run wires all different places and therefore we needed to drill holes holes through ceilings, holes through walls, and all of a sudden, now I knew what this was for, and I thought this would be perfect. And sure enough, much more carefully this time, uh, I put this little guy to work, and it worked wonderfully. As opposed to destroying things uh, and hurting people, I was able to help build something. 
uh, and help bless other people. That's a lot like how the Bible describes our words, our tongues. Very small part of our body, but very, very powerful. Our words can be used to destroy, to do damage, to cause pain, or they can be used for great good, to, to build up, uh, to, to bless, uh, to encourage. One thing, used improperly, it destroys, used how it's designed, and it does great things. That's our words. And of course, we, we, we know it gets real personal, doesn't it? Uh, I, I feel quite sure this is a big part of your life and experience. Uh, if I asked you to think of uh, and describe the most painful, wounding, difficult experiences of your life, I, I almost guarantee uh, that most, if not all of them, uh, are tied together with words that people said to you. Words that came and they, they wounded, they hurt. Uh, maybe you can still hear it, hear the voice and, and feel the, the sting of the wound. Probably the opposite is true. The flip side is true as well. If I asked you to describe the most encouraging, strengthening, uh, blessed moments of your life, those two are probably wrapped up with words. Something somebody said to you. Uh, something that came out of their mouths that, that built you up. What is it that Mark Twain said? Uh, I can live for two months on a good compliment. His words are powerful. But we have to use them the way they were designed to be used, right? Just like this tool, use it the way it was designed and good things happen. Which is why we're gonna start with uh, the designer and his design. We're gonna start with God and start with God all the way at the beginning. And we'll discover that God is the God who speaks, right? Think about it. Uh, how did God create the world? He used words. And his words were powerful. Right? Let there be light. And there was light. Right? Everything we see uh, around us now, it came forth because God spoke. Let there be light. Let there be an expanse. Let vegetation come. God used words and things were created. Things were built. Uh, and people were blessed. Right? He created the world for, for his people. And then after he creates Adam and Eve, what does God do but speak to them? God uses words in addressing them. Uh, actually, the first recorded words that he uses uh, toward Adam and Eve are words of blessing. He blesses them with words, powerful words of blessing. He draws near to them to, to reveal himself, uh, to build relationship. Starting to get this picture about words, Words create, they build, they bless, uh, they, they, have, they reveal ourselves and so draw uh, individuals closer together in relationship. And then Adam and Eve are created in God's image. So because God is the God who speaks, they are the ones, image bearers, who speak like he does. 
right? There's what separates us from the rest of creation. We're made in God's image. God speaks, we speak. And our words are designed to do the same thing. Uh, sure enough, you see that with the example of the example of Adam and Eve. Uh, the first recorded human words in Scripture uh, are those words that's there on your in your outline uh, from Genesis two. It's Adam's poetic uh, expression of delight uh, after Eve is created and, and presented to him. Right, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. God speaks, and now here's. Here's man speaking. Uh, it's a, it's a be, it's beautiful. Uh, it's expressing truth. Uh, it's a implied praise of the God who made uh, this this creature. Uh, it's a it's an honoring of who she is. Uh, and words are are what bring it forth. So you start to you start to put it together. Uh, God speaks. We speak in His image. And this powerful tool of of words designed uh, by God in this unspoiled creation to build up, uh, to create, to build, uh, to bless others, to draw people together, uh, to connect in relationship. But it doesn't stay that way. Uh, the tool gets corrupted, misused. Uh, there's our second point, words that corrupt in the heart of the problem. Uh, in, our, in our key verse from Ephesians 4 there, Paul talks about corrupting talk. Corrupting talk. That word corrupting there, uh, it's used elsewhere in the scriptures to talk about diseased trees and rotting fruit and rotten fish. Corrupting. Rotten. This is not how God designed words to be used. Uh, well, let's go back to Adam and Eve. Uh, so we heard the, the first uh, words that we have recorded from Adam's mouth, that expression of delight and praise uh, to his wife. Uh, and you just fast forward one chapter of scripture and Adam talks again. Only this time, notice how different the words are. This is, uh, again, in your bulletin from Genesis 3. On the other side of sin and the fall, now we have Adam saying, the woman you gave me to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Very different speech, isn't it? Now, as, a, as opposed to praising God, he's blaming God. As opposed to honoring his wife, he's attacking his wife. It's the tool corrupted. Uh, the tool fallen. Uh, same tool, now used very, very differently. Uh, Proverbs 18, the tongue has the power of life and death. The power of life and death, the tongue. Uh, kids, have you, have you ever heard this one? You ever heard this, this saying? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Have you heard that one? Yeah, that's a lie. It's not true. Words hurt. In fact, think about it for a minute. Physical wounds heal faster, don't they? You can overcome a physical injury in days, a week, maybe a month. But words can wound for years and years and years. 
again, from the Proverbs, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. Words like sword thrusts. Right? It's, it's kind of like me with the, with the drill bit, just hacking away what was made to, to bless and build up and create. Now all of a sudden is destroying and, and wounding like, like sword thrusts. Now, probably as we think about misused, corrupting words, probably the first thing that, that, that we tend to gravitate towards is words spoken in anger. That's certainly, certainly uh, a part of corrupting, destroying talk, right? Angry words, attacking, uh, uh, angry, anger-filled words, wrath-filled words. But they're not the only types of words that corrupt. Um, you can do a lot of damage. You can do a lot of sword thrusts with a very calm voice. That the individual who constantly uses his words to criticize every little thing. Did it wrong. You did it wrong. You did it wrong. You did it wrong. Sword thrusts. Or how about gossip and slander? Uh, what, what we might be tempted to excuse as, ah, oh, we're just shooting the breeze. Or, or maybe a little more spiritual. Uh, we're, we're sharing concerns about someone else, or we're sharing a prayer request. What we're really doing is gossiping and tearing someone's reputation down without cause. Words that destroy. Or how about careless joking? You know how this works. There's, of course, a good use to humor. Uh, used well, humor can be a great gift to bless and build up, uh, but it also can frequently be misused. Someone says something that right on the face of it is just demeaning and cruel, but then they tack on, eh, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Can't you take a joke? Which, if you think about it, is actually a, a double wound. Because you have, if you're the recipient of, of this joke, uh, you first you get the wound of this really demeaning statement about you, and then you get tacked onto it, the wound of you're now someone who's too sensitive and you can't take a joke. So it's kind of a double sword thrust. Again, because our words are used not to build someone up, but to, to tear them down uh, and amuse ourselves. You get the idea. Uh, this, this gift that God made, uh, to bear his image and to bless and to build up, uh, we in our sin, our fallenness, use it to destroy and tear down. And of course, we should try to make it personal, try to think, what are some ways that I'm tempted, that you're tempted, to use the, the tool of words to destroy? It might look different for each of us, it might be different situations, uh, different style of talking, uh, but we, we can't turn from what we don't understand and acknowledge. Words as a weapon. But actually the problem is, is even deeper uh, than just what's coming out of our mouths. Uh, because if you were listening to what Jesus said earlier, he says it really goes all the way down to our hearts. There in Luke 6, Jesus says, 
Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, uh, what comes out of our mouths comes out because it was what was first inside. Uh, ugly words come out because there's a, there's a diseased, sinful heart. Okay, kids, I'll ask you one more question. Ready? What do you think is in here? Any ideas? Do you think it's orange juice? No? How would I, how would I find out what's in here? Oh, look. You were right, it's water. Do you think if I keep doing this for a while, orange juice will suddenly come out of it? No. I can't get orange juice to come out of it because orange juice is not what's inside. That's what Jesus says is true with our words. We're, we're not going to get kind words, blessing words, building up words out of our mouths if our hearts are rotten inside. Instead, rotten words are going to come out because we have a fallen heart. And there's really... There's really the, the key problem. It's hearts that are turned away from God. You go back to the garden. What, what changed with Adam from, from those initial words of bone of my bone, where he's praising God and honoring his wife, to those words of that woman, right? Dishonoring God, uh, accusing God, and blaming his wife. What changed? Well, in between those two things uh, was, was his sin and his heart was corrupted and it fell and no longer was he uh, desiring to glorify and honor God. Instead, he was seeking to glorify himself and love himself and turn away from God. In the words, just follow. Uh, you and I say what we say because, well, apart from some supernatural change within, it's just the water spilling out of the bottle. Uh, we're we're caught up with glorifying ourselves and not glorifying God. And so the words that come out are words that amuse us or words that make us look better because we're tearing somebody else down. Um, see, the, the real heart of the problem is, is our hearts. And so the solution isn't just, well, talk differently. Uh, the solution is you need a new heart which actually is very good news because we happen to know someone who specializes in new hearts. That's the Lord. That's the good news of the gospel. Exactly what's wrong, exactly what we can't change and we're stuck in is exactly what God, uh, God gives. Uh, a rescue, a new heart, and he does it through his son. He does it through his son. Remember how the Gospel of John introduces the Lord Jesus? It describes him as the Word, right? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word, it's actually the exact same term uh, that, that Paul uses in our Ephesians 4 verse, right? As he talks about corrupting talk, uh, corrupting talk. Well, here John says, in the beginning was talk. Talk from God. God is speaking, and he's speaking in his son. And what, what is the talk from God? 
uh, the talk from God is a person. Uh, it's the Lord Jesus in his very being, in his very work, in his very person. Jesus, the Lord, is communicating with us. And what is he saying? Well, John describes it. He says, uh, he says, the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The, the talk from God to us in our sin is Jesus. In his very being and work, he speaks a word of grace and truth. The truth about our sin, uh, the truth about his love despite our sin, the truth about his rescue, and an undeserved salvation, and lives and he dies to rescue, to forgive us for all those destructive words, uh, and not only just forgive us, also transform us, which starts with something good in to begin with, right? It's as if he... It's if God in, in salvation uh, takes the water and turns it into orange juice. Now orange juice comes out because somebody changed the inside. That's exactly what God does in the gospel. Now, he forgives us as we trust in him uh, and then gives us a new life, which is why, of course, you can't improve your, your words apart from Jesus. You desperately need a rescue, so you need Jesus to for forgiveness, but you also need Jesus for that new heart. There's no other way. Uh, and Jesus is the way. Let's listen to how Paul talks about, uh, about Jesus and his salvation. I have it typed out there in 2 Corinthians 5. Paul says, speaking of Jesus, he died for all, that all who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So Jesus died. He died to rescue. And here Paul is describing part of what that rescue is about, part of what he died to accomplish. And he says he died so that, he, so that believers, uh, those who trust in him, those who live through faith in Christ, uh, he died so that we might no longer live for ourselves. That's exactly what got us into trouble in the first place. That, that was the big problem with our words. Uh, that from the inside coming out, we were living for ourselves. Right? Like Adam before us. Not living for God's glory, living for my glory. But that's exactly the thing that God transforms through his son. He dies for us so that through his transforming work, we might no longer live for ourselves. Uh, and believer, that's through faith in Christ, that's that's us. That's us. And so with the, 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 new, the new heart, the new liquid in the bottle, we're, we're ready to have it flow out. Which is why Paul, after describing this good news of Jesus in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, gets into chapter 4 and talks about, yeah, this is how we learned Christ and know Christ, and he gives the practical, uh, what it looks like on the surface. Yes, no longer corrupting talk. Because God has done this work within, he says, speak words that build up, that build up, right? So as opposed to words for ourselves, instead we're, we're focused on living for God's glory. I'm, I'm freed up, you're freed up to begin to think, okay, well, what does God want to do in this person's life? What is God's agenda? God's agenda is to build them up, build them up in faith, build them up in love, uh, build them up in, in blessing. And, and so I'm thinking, 
what can I say that will be part of God's glorifying agenda in them? How can I speak words that are gonna they're gonna build them up? How can I speak words that are uh, they're gonna bless them? They're gonna point them to the Lord and 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 raise them up. How can I speak words that build up and encourage and and strengthen? Words that build up that fit the occasion. That fit the occasion, Paul says, or uh, to use the Proverbs language, a word in season, a word in season. Uh, both the Proverbs and Paul here uh, seems to clearly say that we can utter things that are true, but if they're done at the wrong time, then they don't actually build someone up. True things said at the wrong time can tear people down. Right? And you probably experienced this. Someone maybe meaning well tried to say something, and maybe on the face of it was true, but in that moment, uh, it didn't help. It did more tearing down than, than building up. It might be something very good. A, a, a really important discussion about a big financial decision. Uh, the financial decision needs to get made, uh, and and you want your wife's opinion and insight and counsel so that together you can you can choose a good path. Uh, that's a that's those are good. That's a good conversation to have. Uh, those are th those are blessed words to have. Um, but why would I bring up that question at ten o'clock at night? Right. Right when Maggie's getting ready for bed, and after a stressful, difficult, uh, annoying, chaotic day, ready to take things down, uh, and yet I bring up this incredibly detailed, potentially stressful subject at that moment. Is that the word in season? Uh, is that the word that fits the occasion? Uh, would, would that build up? Of course, you see the problem there. Uh, it goes down to the, the problem of the heart. Uh, why wasn't I aware that this wouldn't be something, words that would bless in that particular moment? Why not? Because the truth was, I wasn't thinking about her. I was thinking about me. I was thinking about what was running through my mind and what I wanted to decide and what I wanted to have figured out. I wasn't thinking about her. Yeah, that's precisely the problem. But it's also precisely the thing that God saves us from, right? He died that we might no longer live for ourselves. This is how you're, you're able to be freed up to speak words that fit the occasion. Because if you're no longer thinking about yourself, you're living for God and, and, and through the Lord blessing others, you're able to actually take in, well, where is someone at? Uh, what, what are they going through? Uh, and you don't have to be insisting on your agenda because you're freed up from that. So you can think, what would what would bless them at this moment? You're actually aware of it and are freed up to speak into it. Words that build up, words that fit the occasion. Uh, Paul says uh, that it may, may give grace to those who hear. That it may give grace to those who hear. Remember how God speaks. Right? God speaks with his son. There's his ultimate word, his son, and those are words of grace and truth. So if we're going to speak as God's recreated image bearers, then we're going to speak in such a way that it gives grace to those who hear. 
So maybe it's one of those occasions where the situation, the, the word in season, is actually a word of challenge, even a word of rebuke. There are times where that's the appropriate word, uh, to, to challenge someone who's, who's going the wrong way, uh, to, to, to someone God has put in your life and you have that right relationship where you can, you can speak knowing that there's a temptation or there's, they're already headed down a wrong road. It's appropriate at times to speak a word of challenge, a word of rebuke. But you can do that in a way that doesn't give grace to those who hear, right? You, you could easily use that occasion to, uh, to, to let out anger, how much you've been offended by this person's sin. Uh, you could use that occasion to really grind them down through the ground. Um, now's your chance. They just messed up. You can really let them have it. Uh, but again, freed up from that, Christ dies so that we might no longer live for ourselves. Okay, I don't have to advance my agenda, getting airing my anger. I don't have to make myself good, look good by grinding someone else in the ground. I'm free to speak words that give grace to those who hear. That, that grace that matches the, the word of Jesus, grace and truth. And so I'm thinking, even in the midst of challenge, even in the midst of, of rebuke, to do it in a way that gives grace. Pointing someone to Jesus. Coming alongside gently as one who themselves is a sinner in need of God's rescue. And so as one sinner coming to another sinner, uh, pointing to Jesus, uh, real truth, but done in a way that gives grace to those who hear. What, what is the proverb we read earlier? There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing. Yeah, starts to summarize everything that we've said. Uh, that words are powerful. It's a great gift from the Lord. It's how we image the Lord. We speak like he speaks. And those words have a specific design. And we're tempted in our fallenness to misuse it. To, to take the tool and, and just swing it about in such a way that it destroys. But the good news is, uh, God knows we need new hearts, and it's exactly what he gives. Uh, and he gives it through his son. So that those uh, who have, those he died for might no longer live for themselves. So that you and I are the occasion, exactly what someone needs to hear. Those that give grace. Uh, and again, in doing the so, we image God. We glorify him. Uh, we speak uh, because he has first spoken in his son. So let's pray together. Father, we do thank you and praise you for what you have done in Jesus and that you're equipping and training your people. Uh, Lord, having rescued us, you're continuing to rescue. And thank you that you're doing that good work, even here, even in us. Uh, do that, we do pray, uh, for the sake and for the glory of Jesus. Amen.